So what I'd like to do tonight, I want to just, we sort of ended last week on this, and I just want to review it, not to not spend too much time on it, because I sort of like, we have, went to do it pretty quick at the beginning, I mean at the end, um, and then I want to just get into Isaiah 9, um, and look at verses 1 through 7, so that's sort of the plan tonight, um, and I'm thinking that, uh, we'll see. But my, I'm thinking that we're going to be at, when we hit after tonight, um, we very possibly, I was thinking we, we might become like a Tesla, where we would just go and start <laughs> taking off some, you know, because now where there's a bunch of these oracles, a bunch of stuff that sort of gets repeated, and hopefully we'll sort of like move along um, much faster, and I'll be sort of built up this base of everything. But we'll see. I mean, that's sort of my plan, is that, and thought that we would do that at some point here. So... But these are sort of key passages laying out sort of the historical situation, which I won't go through again. We laid out quite a bit. Um, and really what's happening in the rest of Isaiah, particularly I think through chapters 12, maybe up to like chapters 30, is you have this whole situation we're seeing laid out here. We have that Assyrian forces coming down. Um, you have Ahaz um, saying, you know, yeah, you you know, I, I think of the I dream a genie, you know, it's like, just give me a wish. And he had a chance to do that. <laughs> God, give me anything you want. All right? And he, and he refuses. Come on in. You, you fit right in. Don't drop the We're going to paint Oh, you are? Oh, wow. Oh, that's cool. Awesome. Kelly knows. Kelly knows. <laughs> 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 is it going to be pink? Is it going to be, you it's know? It's going to be like a, a tan. Oh. Like a, like a warm tan that matches the tile on the floor. Oh, good. All right. So it's a little different tan. color. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I've done it before. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So anyway, I just want to go through this again a little bit more. I, I wrote out some stuff. That's some of the stuff that I wanted to sort of cover last week. But, I mean, this... I, we haven't really talked too much about the, uh, the chiasm within Isaiah yet, but I mean, this is sort of a real key one that I think sort of lays out really everything, not just what God's doing here in this time, but it's almost like really lays out. I look at this and it convicts to me for today. Um, and so in this chiasm, again, you end up having, so what we went through last week, we sort of identified last week the different sections but I want to sort of show a little bit about how they relate together. So if you guys remember, I was talking about this right before some of you came in. But when you have a chiasm, all right, um, in, when you have a chiasm in Scripture, and, you know, just again, this, some people will go like a little bonkers with chiasms and they try to find them everywhere, and they're not everywhere. Okay, but there's some key places where they are there, um, and they're more apparent. Um, and they're intentional to try to get across a point. But within, you know, we've used sort of two terms in men's Bible study in the last few years. One is inclusio and one is chiasm, all right? Because those just occur so many times. And here, basically, you can think of the chiasm as being a set of inclusios <laughs> that sort of all go like this, okay? And ultimately try to make a point. So usually what you have is a way, in fact, the way people will find these structures in the Hebrew language is they will look for inclusios, where you start with something and you end with something, 
and then you see, oh, well, these are obviously related, yep. and then you sort of get to the next one, you go, oh, these are related, okay, and you start seeing this building uh-huh. up. If you take a look at Jesus' parable, um, many of those parables are structured this way. Uh, in fact, the Good Samaritan parable is, the way to really understand the Good Samaritan parable is when you put it into a chiastic structure. I think some of you did that in one of the lessons one time. Um, you go, wow, I mean, this is really the point. This is the turning point. And that's really what it's trying to do, is trying to say, hey, look, you know, it's trying to get across a point, and ultimately, if you end up having, if you end up having a middle section that sits by itself, that ends up becoming the point. That is like what God's trying to drive through. He's trying to say, this is the point. Everything this turns This is exactly the way you do a painting. Can you believe that? Oh, is exactly. It? I didn't think yeah, about that. The same pattern. Oh, really? It's amazing. How that do you do that in a painting? Huh? Tell me how you do that, like in a painting. How is it like well, a painting? Well, the sky and the foreground. Oh. On the outside. And the middle ground is center stage for oh. the painting. And, and, and it flows like this. It doesn't go just straight down, straight across. Yeah. It goes a zigzag oh. uh, to have movement in the piece. You have uh, uh, lines of dynamic force going through the painting. Huh. Uh, and, and the same process is a stagger. I've never heard that before. See, I don't have my camera with me. I'd like to take a picture of that. <laughs> I, I, I took a picture of it and I can send it to you. Um, oh, thank and, you. Um, uh, we sent it out, I think, in one of our emails. I mentioned that last week. But Okay. So I just want to walk through it as we can sort of see what God's trying to do here. Because what he's trying to do, um, through Isaiah, he's trying to make a point. He's trying to say, these people, you people, have gone off path. All right? And God's going to bring his judgment unless you turn. And we know that Ahaz was supposed to be the king that follows after David and was supposed to be the one who is after God's own heart. Um, But we find out he's not. All right? Is what we find out with Ahaz. So... This is, in essence, before we get to chapter 9, this is really Isaiah laying out, this is what's going to happen if you don't follow the Lord. All right. So if you take a look at the top, uh, we'll go through, so notice that at the top, he says, band together, peoples, okay, and their peoples is plural. All right. So here, when you see that word peoples and plural, he's referring to the entire, all the nations. All right. So he's referring here to Syria and all the, all the different powers and stuff. Band together, peoples, and be broken. Pay attention, all you notice distant lands, so you can sort of see people's distant lands here. All right, you get the idea that this is all the other people other than Israel. Prepare for war. And God's, you know, that's not saying this, prepare for war against the Lord. Um, prepare for war and be broken. Prepare for war and be broken. And notice how that is said twice there. All right. So in essence, God's saying, <laughs> go ahead, go for it. You're not going to have a choice or a chance. All right. Now, if you look down here at this passage where this ends, notice that this is directed to the peoples. All right. This, speaking of the same type of judgment, is spoken to specifically Israel. All right, so they will wander through the land, um, dejected and hungry. When they are fam- um, famished, they will become enraged, and looking upward, they will curse their king and their God. They will look toward the earth and see only distress, darkness, and the gloom and affliction, 
and they will be driven into the thick darkness. This is, in essence, the judgment that's brought upon all of Israel, okay, northern and southern kingdoms. All right, so you've got judgment <laughs> really surrounding this whole thing. All right, this judgment's going to come. Now, why is that judgment going to come? Because what is bringing that judgment? What are the people doing? All right. So they are devising. So God, Isaiah, God through Isaiah says, devise a plan. Go ahead. Make up whatever you want to do. Guess what? Not going to work. All right. Anything about us, you know? Go ahead and you guys have ever done this, okay? You have your own plan and you're going to go for it and you haven't was a part of sought time. God with it and so devise a plan. It will fail. Make a prediction. It will not happen. And remember what we said about the word Emmanuel. So you see, here's judgment. For God is with us. Well, that sounds like a positive thing as we read it last week in Isaiah 7. God being with us is not positive. It's saying God is bringing judgment unto those who are not following Him. Alright? So, I put in here judgment on the world's wisdom because in essence they're trying to do it on their own. This is exactly what Ahaz is doing. Alright? Ahaz is saying, I don't need you, God. <laughs> I'm going to make up my own plan. Right? Now look at what is the similar thing down here is notice here's the plan oh I'm going to make my own plan well when they say to you inquire of medium and of spiritists who chirp at butter shouldn't a people inquire of their God should they inquire of the dead on behalf of the living go to God's instruction and testimony if they do not speak according to this word there will be no dawn for them you see the parallel All right. You go ahead and make your own plan, and how do people make their own plan? They go and they consult other gods. They go and do, you know, look for their own ways, and ultimately that's going to bring judgment on them if they do that. All right. So you got, you see these the parallels here, and then Isaiah within this gets this word from the God, the Lord, that says, "For this is what the Lord said to me." So those what he said to me. These are the words of God. Alright? So this is what the Lord said to me with great power to keep me from going the way of this people. So Isaiah gets a word from the Lord. And what does he do with that word? He binds it up and a testimony and a seal of the instruction among my disciples. So he binds up this prophecy he gets from God. In essence, probably people think like he wrote it down and he gave it to his disciples and said, keep this safe. Because ultimately, there's going to be people <laughs> like us reading this at some point to say, oh, you know, this is what God's word was. All right? So he's going to bind it up, give it to his disciples. I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob. I, again, this is, this is um, just like here. This is Isaiah. I will wait for God, him. Here I am with the children of the Lord. He has given me to be signs of wonders in Israel from the Lord of armies who dwell on Mount Zion. So you can see here, God speaks, and they take the word, and they bind it up. All right. So what is that word? 
And this is the word. Okay, so in essence, this is the judgment that's going to happen. But this is actually what Isaiah says. This is the word. All right. And he's speaking now to Ahaz, to Judah. And he's saying, do not call everything a conspiracy that people say is a conspiracy. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be terrified. All right. That's the judgment. That's saying to Ahaz and people, remember... You guys remember what was the response of the people when, when they heard that Syria and Israel had formed this coalition, this conspiracy? Their hearts shook like the trees. Very good, Stephen. Remember that? Ahaz was in fear, all right, and the people were in fear, all right, and that's exactly what is happening. What what's being said here? Do not call everything a conspiracy. That's exactly what they're doing. They're looking at the world and they're saying everyone's conspiring against us. All right. Um, that these well, why people does it call, say not to call it a conspiracy because isn't it actually a conspiracy? Syria and Israel. Well, because look what it says. Do not call everything a conspiracy that these people say is a conspiracy. Why? Because what's a conspiracy? A conspiracy is, in essence, something in which people are conspiring to do something against you. It's going to bring destruction. Like COVID-19. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Whatever it is, it's a conspiracy. I'm not sure if the COVID virus is a conspiracy, but anyway, how people interact with it is a conspiracy. So do not call everything a conspiracy that these people say is a conspiracy. All right? So, good question. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be terrified. So is it saying like to ignore their conspiracy? I don't exactly saying do not do not be fearful of it. Do not let it guide your ways. Okay, so in other words, the world today has we all have our conspiracies. We actually use that word. I'm the same word here. Okay, something in which people have somehow said there's these people, or there's this group, or there's this force, or there's something. You know, you can do Star Wars. Okay, the force. Okay, that's against you. Conspiracy to inspire against you. And what God's saying is, that's happening, but that should not be governing what you're doing. All right? In fact, the problem is, you people, the problem is you are fearing what the, what you're fearing, what the people are fearing. Do not be terrified. No, yeah. You basically fear man. You, you are. He's going, don't fear man. Exactly. Don't what fear happened. me. Don't let right. the conspiracy like, control your life. Exactly. Your life. You should. Yeah. That's why I love exactly. that next part. It's like the... Because there's always more people, and there's always men, and there's always evil. We live in the present evil age, right? Well, how often do we all like listen to something on the news, like, oh my god, and then like your whole day is controlled by that thought or that idea that someone puts in your mind, right? And, it's like and then you start acting out of that, yeah, and you start acting in fear out of that, right? Other people or masks, let's, let's call that, right? Everybody, in this world, everybody gets yeah, everything. Why are you wearing it? Because I, I, I want to, and, and it's like it's like you know, and, and, and letting. And those were the focuses, exactly. Those were the focuses. Everything's, yeah. you know, the summit. The focus is what's going on in the world. Right. And it's to try to bring fear. Yeah. Okay. And, and division. And division, yeah. exactly. I almost think it's conspiracy as a distraction from God, you know? Like it's well, a, that is what it is. Exactly. That's just distraction. That's, that's exactly what it is. You let it, you let it control your life, and you get so further and further away from Christ, and why do you think some people fall out of right. religion? Right. Yeah. Like now... Notice what this parallels. Say, why don't do this? Don't focus on what's going on in the world and what everybody's saying is going on in the world. Why? 
But for the two houses of Israel, so this is all of God's people, he will be a stone to stumble over and a rock to triple over and a trap and a share, a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Many will stumble, stumble over these. They will fall and be broken. They will be a snare and captured. This is the result of following the conspiracy. Yep. It will become a snare. Yep. It will become, you will stumble over it. You will fall over it. Do you guys remember when we went through Corinthians? Remember how Paul says in Corinthians that, you know, to the Greeks, the world, the worldly wisdom to the Greeks is, um, what do you say? Get the word. Um, you stumble over it, but I mean, what is that? This was good. Corinthians. Oh yeah, here we go. All right. So where is the one who is wise? Basically, it's sort of the same thing we're talking about here. Um, so it starts out, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. Where is the one who is wise? He's <laughs> speaking to this right now. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of the sage? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? All right. What's the wisdom of the world? This, right here. Yeah. All right. For since, for since in the wisdom of, the, of the God, the world did not know God through its wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand a sign and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ a stumbling block. Same words here, stumbling. Okay, it's actually using the same type of words here. But we preach Christ crucified a stumbling block to Jews and a folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Right? Similar thing that's talking about here. All right, so you're going to stumble. You start getting involved in all the conspiracies and what's going on in the world and and captured by them and everything. What's it going to do? It's going to cause you to ultimately stumble. And bring other people down. But, yes. Yeah, all right. Well, yeah. So who specifically is it referring to though when it says he will be a stone to stumble over? Um, God will be that stone. Okay. Yeah. So he's going to bring judgment on that because he's the one that's, I mean, they're going to stumble over uh, over that. But is that right. also like a prophetic? Like messianic of, of prophecy. Like, yeah, of Jesus being a stone to stumble over. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> ultimately it does. Okay. But here it's it's ultimately talking about what they're doing. What is Ahaz doing? Ahaz looks at the world and he says, oh my gosh, you see this throughout scripture, right? You see there's this conspiracy where Israel and Syria are going to come against us and then Assyria is going to come against us. So it's all this conspiracy. Everyone's in fear. All right. The irony is that that very conspiracy is what causes Ahaz and the people to stumble. The rejection of God. Yes, and they're bringing their own judgment right. on that. Because what are they doing? They're not consulting God. They're devising their own plan, which is only going to lead to destruction. So it's like almost he's like a stone some over because they're not listening. Right, exactly. Okay. So what happens when you focus on conspiracies? You're going to stumble. <laughs> all right, focus on the world. So you notice that all these have parallels, but this middle one yeah. is basically the turning point. It says this 
is what God says instead you should be doing. Okay? And if you which is you are to regard only the Lord of armies as holy. Only he should be feared, only he should be held in awe. He will be a sanctuary. That's the focal point. That is it. God will be a sanctuary. <laughs> right. That's, that's the bottom line. Which is exactly what Isaiah was saying. Like, if you had trusted what God said, he said, those kingdoms, I already had taken care of them. They would not have come against you. You just had to trust me. All right. That's all you had to do. Hey, how's it going? You only had to trust me with it. And so this, in essence, I mean, you take a look at this That's right terrible. here. This is it. I mean, this is our Christian life. <laughs> right? This is what we constantly, I think, struggle with, is how do we keep that focus. All right. In some ways, that's why we're here today, right? Is yeah. So we can say, don't get captured in all this. And a reminder, when we do, it's only going to lead to judgment. This, ultimately, is where we need to put our faith. This is faith. That's faith. Yeah. It's so powerful. Okay. Right. The way it's laid out. And you think, I, you know, I look at this and I go, what do we do? We get involved in these conspiracies and everything, and whatever's going on in the world. Why? We sit there and we try to think about what we think is going on in the world. We devise our own plan. How do we do it? We go and we consult other things. Now, we might not say we're not going to consult a spiritist or a medium or something, but we're somehow getting... Consult our phone. Consulting something else. All right. Distracted. And I think what's one of the big things that are interesting here is notice that these, this, is really God, God speaking to Isaiah, calling out God's chosen people. This is Judah. This is all these people are the people chosen by God to be the light of the world. And, and ultimately, within these go, go, within, within God's chosen people, there ultimately is just a people within that people who are going to say this. Yeah. yeah. You know, like where you started with like God asking King Ahaz, what would you like, right? Yeah. And I was thinking, oh, when you said that, I thought it's such an interesting like contrast to Solomon where God asks Solomon the same question like I'll give you anything and Solomon says give me wisdom and um, I mean you think of all his writings about wisdom being like fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom but you see that like almost like this contrast of where that focus is but it like starts with this sort of this choice that we're given right it's right. really powerful and I think that's a very good way of putting it. We have to realize we're given that choice every day, right? We're given the choice. Are we going to follow the world? Are we going to devise our own plan? Does it ever work? <laughs> we, have, we have a whole Bible that sort of says it doesn't work, but people, we just keep doing it over and over and over again. And so we keep getting this message, which is focus on the Lord. Focus on the Lord. Put your faith in the Lord. You're not going to have your... You put your faith anywhere else and you see what ends up happening. Judgment, judgment, judgment. Okay? It's not going to work. But we probably need to be reminded of this, I don't know, like daily. <laughs> my, my footnotes from that verse refers to Luke 12.5. Uh-huh. And it says, I, But I will show you the one to fear. Fear him who has authority 
to throw people into hell after death. Mm -hmm. Yes, I say to you, this is the one to fear. Whoa. (laughs) 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 So any other questions? Just wanted to show show that show this to you guys again, just sort of that layout. Um, That's very well done. What you've yeah, laid yeah, out here, and the way that you've done this, this is really drives the point home beautifully. Well, God's the one that did that. I know. But he just was showing it. Yeah. The way you laid it out here on this yeah. whiteboard, uh, it, it's the, it flows so beautifully. So say it's a work of art. That's a piece of art, right? Yeah. Art. Literally. And that's really what the that's what's neat about Hebrew is the very literal. It is. It's an art. It's art. How they actually write this stuff. Yeah. And the Hebrew would read this knowing how to look at this. In fact, what we don't see, and I won't... What's interesting about the Hebrew language is it, when you look at it, it's actually written in a way to really bring out and see that this is the middle point. Yeah, they actually would use verbs and nouns. And they would use words that, re, that the words used here will be similar to the words used here. So in Hebrew, it just comes out much clearer to see the structure because of the way that they've actually put those words together. They would put words together that rhyme, that make it so people will go, oh, uh-huh. I see that. That's right. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Thank you for doing that, Greg. Yeah. It's really beautifully done. I remember reading this one example. I think it was like a Chuck Craft book or something like that. So it was like more in terms of spiritual warfare, but they were talking about, in this case, humans to demons are like, they were saying like elephants to mice. And they're saying that the danger of the mice is fear. That the elephant will will injure himself in react an overreaction to this fear. It gets startled yeah. and it stumbles, right? And then and you almost see a similar sort of element in this where you go if we respond in fear, then we inflict this harm we will stumble right. in our fearful response when really God's saying you have nothing to be afraid of. Right. Right. If you just can understand that, like you're going, oh yeah, all these things become mice and not these like looming threats that we're overreacting right. to. Right. It's like just stay cool. Instead, yeah. 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 my is present. Right. Yeah. You hope to <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It's a constant. And I think the challenge, I know, I mean, as I've moved out through all of them, we've had the COVID stuff in the last year and a half. To me, the challenge has always been <laughs> talking to people is how to keep the focus here. And particularly with other Christians, okay? Uh Is how do you, and and you can think of that, when you're in a conversation with another Christian, and they're like going off on whether it's a conspiracy theory or they're going off on what's going on in the world and oh my gosh, what's happening here, what's happening here, and you just, you start sensing that fear in them. Very much so. I think one of our calls is to say how do we bring them to this point how do we get don't don't get captured in this all right because you're just going to get it's going to lead to your own destruction it's going to lead to judgment you're going to just be captured by that how do we keep leading people to that you know let's let's open the word you know read something you know do you guys have any thoughts about how to do that yeah it's crazy i this happened this week after last week we broke it down like this uh-huh my family is like, you know, crazy, like, text messages, like, 
call this and abolish this bill. And I mean, I, I get it. They're all freaking like, you know, we got to move in California. got to get out. You know, it's like, <laughs> and then, like okay. That's some valid points and all. There's just like this angst on the phone. I'm like, I already got enough stress in life, man. Like, I can't have this. I just, I seriously just sent them that. <laughs> <laughs> oh right! Oh awesome! Yeah, I said this is yeah. the men's group last week. I think we should all just read this, and and don't buy into the conspiracies, mm-hmm. and don't move to Texas. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't know how many people I knew that were like, well, I'm out of California, moved to Texas. Right. But it was just, it happened, it happened so fast after we talked about this. Oh huh. my gosh. It was yeah. like three nights ago, you know? Yeah. And I've been reading this every, like every day, you know, mm. this over and over since last week, mm. to try to have that as like a focal point that you are to regard only the Lord of Armies, right? Like as holy. You know, trying to have that not get so caught up in this world, you know? And it was a, it came in handy. All I did was just send it to him. I said, we should all read this. <laughs> yeah, just, that was it. That's how I did it. I yeah. just read this and, and trust in God that, that it's his plan and this isn't our plan and just to rely on him only. Right. You know? Again, devising your own plan. Are we devising a plan like, oh, I'm going to move? It's crazy. And somehow like, that's so going to solve the situation. Yeah, right? but it, it's just like this. Let's flee. Let's get out of here. It's like, but really, like, where are you? Like, where's your mind and heart at? With God, you trust in God, and right. you do, then you shouldn't fear any of this. And just, it's, it's amazing when you break it down like this. It was so easy to understand last week, and it's like it's funny how daily we should. You got to remind people of this, just like you said. Mm-hmm. It's daily. Remind no, I get people reminding me of it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Remind ourselves and remind others every exactly. day. Yeah, every day because we're always trying to devise our own plan every day. Right. How can we? Ca- how can we take hold of our own day? And Wake up. Okay, I gotta do this. I have to do this. I, I, I. Right. Okay, I gotta do this to make it work. I gotta make a buck I, here. I, I, I. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's all. It's, it's control. Yeah. It's just it's control. And actually, I like the that concept of. So you get the Lord of Armies, right? Okay, that sounds cool. But that that also sounds right here and now. That sounds has a worldly kind of vibe to it. But all of a sudden, the one who can control whether or not you go to hell after death. Suddenly, that takes you into another realm where, <laughs> oh, wait a minute, I definitely don't have control there. I don't even have the option of control there, right? So, you know, you think, like, taking it into that spiritual realm where you're going, wait a minute, we're in a spiritual reality. So, that day will come. Somehow, within all of us, we know that. Right. We can feel that. Yeah. So, let's embrace that lack of control now. Right. Yeah. Ah. Right? And... <laughs> Demonstrating that to, to somebody, to people, hey, here's a, what do you think is going to happen afterwards? Who knows, right? Exactly, right? Breaking that control issue. I've got, I've got one of my best buddies right now, who is literally, really, he's like, on the verge of going into like a schizophrenic state because of the, just the. the Attempt to control and all the fear and myth that he really thinks that people, everyone's gonna come get him. Yeah. And like, dude, let's go, let's take a walk. You know? <laughs> it's, we but had it's happening. in the church like that the other day. Yeah, we did. It was like oh very normal, put together, and he had just lost it. Yeah. And it started like talking to Kelly and just. Yeah. And I, told, I told you, God came in my room, same deal. It's yeah. like, dude, it's, it's happening. Yeah. And, and yeah, so scary. Yeah. yeah. And I think, right. what, you know, what's interesting here, too, is notice, thinking about what you were talking about, 
what is the answer here? Well, it's Isaiah speaking the word of God. This is the word of God. And Isaiah speaks this to the people and says, don't do this. Stop. You know, I think it shows the power, too, we have with having the word of God. We don't need to try to come up with our own solution to people. We right. just need to <laughs> preach the word of God. That's right. right. In season and out of season. Just mm-hmm. tell, you know, talk to them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My father was unsaved, but he's got one of the best lines I've ever heard. Just don't make shit up. Yeah, I guess that's for the summary of right there. Right there. Don't make it up. Seriously, I mean that pretty much sums up exactly what the happening there. You got it. All right, anybody else? Or all right, so let's move on. Um, so let's turn to Isaiah 9. Did you see my email, Jason? How I teased you in my email? No, I didn't. You didn't. Dang it. I called you out. I called you out. Oh, cool. What did you say? You have to read it. Oh, we're not going to face to face. You're not going to say it. I guess. What did I say? You better remember what I said about Jason. I called him out of the email, though. Did I? I don't think it's. I don't think we should repeat it. That's right. It should be a one-on-one. He said, "Don't make Scooby up." Right? Don't make Scooby up. Yeah. Jason kept prodding us last week so that we were to Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Like, please, please talk about Jesus. Yeah. Please. Good night. So I'm like, okay, good night. <laughs> we're going to get a chance. All right. Um, okay, so let's take a look at chapter 9. So I want you, um, everyone there on chapter 9, I want you to go up um, one verse from chapter 9. And look at where we end chapter 8. Okay, so we are going to see this over and over and over again, Isaiah. Is everything, you know, how do you end down here? Okay. Everything just, you know, finally gets to this judgment and this gloom and this doom. And you're just reading. So, I, you know, if I'm reading along and I read verse 22 and it says, And they will look to the earth, but behold distress and darkness the gloom of anguish and they will be thrust into the thick darkness I mean alright I mean ultimately it's like okay if you just stop there the people have no hope alright and if you remember we've seen these these three children (laughs) awesome (laughs) did you want the kids one you want the adventure (laughs) Bible. Anybody else? The good news is this has been used. It's been used, baby. (laughs) Anyway, so you so you see right there the way chapter eight ends is just as very much like this doom and gloom. Yep. All right, and you go, you know, what's going to happen? All right, I mean, the people are bring bring brought to judgment. You see, the nation, the internationally, everything's going to collapse. Nationally, everything's going to collapse. This judgment is going to come on them, and we end up with some, you know, with literally gloom and anguish. And then we hit verse nine. Okay, this is—I always think that 
the I, I say this frequently, but probably the word of hope, the best word in all of Scripture, is but. All right. I mean, like when we feel like there's no hope left. Okay, this is it. But God. That's right. All right. But God. And he brings that hope. And that's what happens in verse 9. All right. So let me just read. Um, I'm going to read verse, I mean, verse 1 through 7, which is what we're going to look at today. So it says, but there will be no gloom. Notice how in verse 22, it talks about its ending with gloom and anguish. And then verse 9 says, but there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish, her meaning Israel, Judah. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of the, the I can never say the, 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 the Tali. But in the later time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness and on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder and the rod of his oppressor you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior and battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness, from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts. Who will do it? <laughs> he will do this. So, you sort of notice the change in tone? <laughs> do you guys remember Isaiah where we've seen those changes of tone at all? Going back, anybody remember where we sort of seen the changes of tone where all of a sudden there's like no hope we have judgment that all of a sudden God speaks hope anybody remember at all where we've seen that over and over yeah we have over and over it's in one um, like between like 15 and 16 right yep he's there good and then in chapter 2 if you remember 1 through 5 you see this um, Isaiah looks forward to hope Chapter 4 also looks forward to hope. And now we're here in chapter 9, same type of thing. Looks forward to a time of hope. So what do we call this? What do, you guys, what do we call this section? When you guys read this, what, what do you translate? Hope. Hope. Very good, okay. Great, hope. Were you saying, do you say anything, Chris? I said transition. Transition. This is... This uh, is this is Masonic or Messianic prophecy. Prophecy. Very good. Prophecy. Alright. So when you guys think of prophecy, how would you define prophecy? Or telling speaking, something to speaking come. for God. 
Okay, foretell. Okay, all right. What'd you say? Foretelling of something to come. Or something. Okay. In this case, through the word the mouth of God. All right. And what? And what did you say? Pete? Speaking for God. Hmm. So not necessarily something about the future. Not necessarily. Okay. Good. Sometimes yeah. it can be, but not always. <coughs> yeah. That's, that's good. Thank okay. Yeah, it could be pre- pre- right in that moment, right? Yeah. Right. Anybody else? How about you guys describe prophecy to someone? Or are you going to Anybody? Prediction of things to come, like Okay, so prediction of something to come. Mm-hmm. All right. There's a great verse in Revelation that speaks of it. Uh, it's like the spirit of cross. Uh, prophecy is Jesus Christ hmm. okay. and crucified. Uh-huh. It's really kind of cool. That's the true spirit of prophecy. Jesus is involved in it. Uh huh. You can hear it. Most likely true. So how? Yeah. I was going to say. So so how does prophecy work in Scripture? That's a two thousand dollar question. <laughs> how does it work? It kind of builds up or exhorts his people. You know, it's okay, so what, what do you mean by it builds up? Well, so it's, I guess it's encouraging them to turn from their evil uh-huh. and seek the Lord. And when they do that, the blessings come. Righteousness and justice. Okay. But if, but it's if the, you, woe, but the, the woe or the blessing. Yeah. Right. Okay, that's good. So there ends up being like these choices. Like, yeah. is that what you mean by that? Like, if yeah. you follow the Lord, there's going to be blessing. If you don't, there's going to be curses, okay? If I walked into the room right now and said the world is a nightmare, okay? And things are, the Nazis are getting, Nazi Trump is going to get you, or, or the, you know, psych, psycho Biden's <laughs> coming, okay? One way or another, you're, we're, we're in for it, right? And I walked in and said, hey, and I read this. Would you guys be like, all right? Or you'd be like, what did, what did that guy just say? What does that even mean? Son is born. Barad, enemy, what? I don't even, right? You read that and go, well, we get it now, right? Yeah, right. And maybe the Pharisees and scribes would have kind of clued in, but like we get to read this now and go, oh. like he didn't go, hey, I want, I want to be... Um, can you can you do the whole thing with the bar on my shoulders and the, right. the, the you know? He didn't say a word, but it happened. Okay, so good point. So why do we get it now? Because we have retrospect. Okay. I think they got it before too, because it's pretty clear here the Jews were looking for the Messiah. The problem is they missed it with Jesus, most of them. Um, but here I think they knew like this is the mess this is a messianic prophecy. If you go back before Christ, you know, yeah. after this, they are looking for this um, well, what are they looking mighty for? God and, yeah. and, and, and the, the government. They're looking for, it's like in the days of Jesus, they were looking for him to overthrow Rome. Yeah. They were looking for him king. to like, yeah, exactly. But Do they, you think they were looking for that back in Isaiah's day? Um, so in Jesus' day, you definitely can say that. Yeah. Um, but do you think they were looking for 
that back in Isaiah's Probably not. No, because because so. one, one, you said they were doing good. They were the most prosperous no, they've been, even if they were afraid at that point, okay. like, because they could lose whatever they had. So at that point, it might not, it might not have meant much to them. Although there are prior messianic prophecies about the throne of David, and you know, um, there are prior messianic prophecies. Okay. All right. So you were saying. I think so because they were under Assyrian rule. Uh huh. Not the invasion not was not yet. Yeah. Well, they're going to be. They're not ready to be. Yeah. Right. right. Not 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 in this. Well, yeah, maybe not when the exact words, but it was yeah. shortly yeah. after yeah. this that they were under Assyrian rule. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, it was coming. Yeah, and Babylonian rule. Yeah. So. So what? So let's go back to this time of Isaiah, and I'm a Jew. And I'm like even reading nine here. What am I thinking about? What what's going to come to mind that makes me think is some type of messianic, some type of hope that's coming? What what's what's their mindset of that back in the day of Isaiah? What what do they have to go back to in the Old Testament that's already happened to them that sets up their mind that they can read something like this and go, maybe there's hope. What are they hoping for? Exodus. They're hoping to be set free from the, their oppressors. Okay. So they could go. Okay, that's, they could go back and look at the Exodus, which they do frequently in the Old Testament. But go back and look and say, "I'm under oppression. Is God going to save me?" What else they go back to? Who is mentioned? Who's David. the king? What? David. David. Mm-hmm. And there was promises to David. Right. And what were those promises? Remember, you guys remember that? That there would be one from his lineage right. that would rule forever, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. You guys remember that? Second Samuel 7, I think. All right. So, what's their hope? Goes back to there, where you talk about the house of David, and David is so often mentioned. It's mentioned in Isaiah. We've seen it already mentioned. David. And that recalls this whole idea that there's that not just was there David the king who was this great king, but it comes back to Second Samuel seven, which is where God says, "I promise that I'm going to one day bring a king that will rule forever." Yeah. Right. That's who they were looking for. That That's who they were looking for. <laughs> and so, and remember again too, Judah is the one that is in the lineage of that. So it said it's going to come from David. It's going to come from the lineage of David. I believe that's what the prophecy says. So they're expecting a king to come from that lineage. And they've been having these kings like Ahaz. They're not cutting that. <laughs> I see a real similarity. Yeah. Go ahead, Steve. Yeah. I see a real similarity, though, between the Old Testament and the New Testament when you mentioned David. Because that verse in uh, Revelation 19.10 says, Worship God. Right? Which is kind of like this is saying. And so where are you reading from? The uh, Revelation 19.10. Oh, okay. All right. It says, Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit huh. of prophecy. Hmm. So you see the, you see the line. And that's at the very there. end of times. Yeah. Right. Right. The very end of times. But it's true all the way through. When they were prophesying about David's son, right, that was Jesus. 
So I'm going to go back to your, Jason, your question. So, or not more, say that. So how do we know today that this is a prophecy of Jesus? How do we know, how do we know that? Sounds like a, I'm being sure simplistic here. Just how do we know that? Because we have the, the, the fortune of retrospect. Yeah. And where, where are we retrospecting from? From just the gospel. The word of God. Okay, yeah. yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. History. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. So how, mm-hmm. do, how do we know that this is a prophecy? Because it came true. Because yes. it came true. Right? Mm-hmm. And where do we know it came true? In... The word of God. Mm-hmm. All right. I just say that because we will tend to think, oh, why didn't the Jews figure this out in Jesus' day? Why didn't they get it? All right. Well, what's interesting is that they did not. Okay. In, in large part, they did not. To get it, they had. They were told that this is this. All right. God's word had to come like to Matthew and say, this is, and I'm going to go back to Isaiah. All right. So that's how we know that prophecy is being fulfilled is because God's word confirms God's word. And that's ultimately what prophecy is. Prophecy is God's word saying something and then later God's word saying, see what I said? But a lot of times when it points back, the people back then didn't necessarily know, oh, that's what that means. It's not until God's word sort of tells us that's what it means. That makes sense. Sometimes they do, you know. Daniel, Daniel yeah. knew it's like, hey, this is the end of the seven years, and then when the um, the wise men went to go worship Jesus, uh-huh. they said, where's where's the one born the king of the Jews? And they're like, where? And like, oh, in Bethlehem. So they knew. Yeah, they knew yeah. it was Bethlehem. How surprised! So <laughs> a lot of times they do know at least. You know, it's not totally mysterious. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so where do you guys think? In here, in, in chapter 9, where do we start seeing this as a prophecy being fulfilled in the New Testament? Or we're told that this is fulfilled then? Does that, did that question make sense? So we look at, we're looking at chapter 9, 1 through 7. At what point in here do we start seeing that the New Testament is telling us that is fulfilling what is being spoken here in chapter 9. How do I know chapter 9 is a fulfillment of something that's a prophecy that's going to happen in the New Testament? John. For us, a child is born. Okay. For us, the son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. So where is that? That's in 6. And where is it, where is it, um, where do we hear that fulfilled? Matthew. Okay. Anybody else? <laughs> I also would see the uh, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light, and then you go to John one. Isn't that where he talks about and the light was made? Okay, so all right, so Luke. Okay, good. So Luke. So yeah. Steve. Yeah. What? Yeah. So I heard a couple things out here. Lord Luke. So what? Who said Luke? You said mm-hmm. Me too. Where, where, <laughs> what, so what in Luke? Now we'll go back to you, Steve. Here in a second. When you said Luke, where are you seeing this fulfilled in Luke? Well, I don't know if it's like quoted, but I think in the first chapter of Luke when it's talking about the birth of Christ. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. <laughs> I know, it's sort of like that, isn't it? A little bit. You're right. Well, then I come back to me. Yeah. Four. <laughs> so also. I'm trying to look. So just to sort of clarify here, and what I'm sort of asking is, remember when we looked at Emmanuel, okay, we saw, going to Matthew, we saw that it's actually quoted in Matthew, that that was being fulfilled. Got that? Yeah. I'm asking, where do we see what we're seeing in chapter 9 fulfilled in the New Testament? Where is it being called back from the New Testament that this is the fulfillment, that this is being fulfilled in the New Testament. And it was interesting because most of us think, including me, <laughs> for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. Is that quoted somewhere in the New Testament? We think. I mean, I've always thought it was. No, I don't think it's not. It's not. Charlie Brown Christmas. It's for unto you this day in the city of David a savior who is Christ the Lord. Yeah, which yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. exactly. No, it's not. In fact, yeah. But there, there's a lot of elements in Luke in Luke one, I think thirty one. A lot of the same elements because it's. Um, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and call his name Jesus. He will be great and be called the Son of the Most High. Mm-hmm. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. Yeah. So and his kingdom, mm-hmm. uh, of his kingdom, there will be no end. Right, but I guess and my question is, is, that, is, that, yeah, is that being called yeah. out here in chapter 9, verses 1 through 7? It's more like you were talking about the bidding covenant. Yeah, yeah. Right? Okay, now... You're talking about, like, ver- verbatim. Pretty much verbatim. I'm trying to say, where do we see this? Because we saw Emmanuel was being fulfilled. We read this verse, and I, for me, personally, I also, like, front us, the child is born. I'm like, well, where's that reference? Like, uh, it's not really there, right? <laughs> so my question, though, is, what is there in the New Testament that is calling back to say what we're going to read into, what we're reading in chapter 9 is fulfilled. Well, to, well, if I may, to me, uh-huh. I don't need it to be verbatim. Right. Well, <laughs> you might not. I, I don't, <laughs> because what does that have to do with it? Are right. all these things that he's saying, all these ways of describing this, this event, not described like over and over and over and over again in the, in the New Testament? Uh, I mean, you <laughs> maybe could argue that, but that's an argument. Um, well, it would be an argument from a point of light. Is, was this an actuality fulfilled as opposed to yeah, directly referenced in the gospel? I mean, to me, it sounds yeah, less legitimate if they're they're using exact words. That sounds that sounds bogus. Yeah, I mean, so, but, okay. but but sometimes in the New Testament it says this is that which was spoken of by someone's right. prophet right. uh-huh. when they said da 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 da. Sure. Right. So a, a lot of times it does say that, but you know. More, more often than that, I think it's just kind of quoting. It's almost quoting without referencing the quote. Yeah. Right. Um, or well, like, doesn't it, Deuteronomy, it goes like, look, if, if you're a prophet, then what you've said came true. It, it better have, because if yeah. you miss it one time, you're <laughs> out of there. Like, <laughs> people are making predictions. How do you know if they're a prophet? Right. You know, right. Well, did it actually happen? And even if you yeah. don't miss it, well, because I could, I mean, you, I, yeah, but I guess, I mean, I could read this. So let me ask you this question. I can read chapter 9, 1 through 7, 
and I can go through here and say, has this happened today? What if this has happened? I mean, really, what what has happened? Um, is this person that's called a child born a son is given um, the government shall be in his shoulders? Right. <laughs> you guys see that? Yeah. Today? Well, well it's, it, some, some of it has happened. Okay. In, or in part. It's yeah. not thoroughly fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which is a little bit about what I asked when that question is, how does prophecy work? Right. It's, All right. It's, it's past, present, future. It's eternal. And it's... So we would read this today and what would we say? Would we say it's partially fulfilled? Mm-hmm. I would. Yeah, okay. like it'll be totally fulfilled in his second coming because he will literally be on earth, you know, ruling. Right. Ruling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The exactly. millennial reign and, and right. Right. Yeah. Okay, but so but isn't he kinda offered us I mean if we make him our king. Uh huh. He's the kingdom of God is drawn nigh to the earth, right? Mm-hmm. right. I think that's what we're It's the the choice. Yeah. Yeah, it's a choice, right? Right. Yeah. We can bring God we can Jesus can be reigning like this now. If we choose to make him mm-hmm. okay. if we could actually walk out the door and be like Christ all day long, even when you get out of your car after you know, driving through town, all the temptations along the way. Mm-hmm. I mean people when when I'm actually walking with the Lord, people notice. Totally. Mm-hmm. Totally notice. Yeah, mm-hmm. And it blows you away by the comments. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. just, it's just Is there a shining light? Oh, already there's there, right there. Yeah, exactly. And John, right. I think yeah. John yeah. just right. said exactly. it. No, I saw it. John just said it. The light shining. Yeah, that's, where see, right. that's where we see this prophecy fulfilled. Hmm. This is in verse 2. We can see it. In the okay, so can you... I, I want to go back to what you just said there, Steve. You've now said it twice. Verse 2. Okay. Where are you, wh- why are you telling me verse 2? Okay, so chapter 9. So I'll read verse 2. The people who walk in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them the light has shone. Okay. Then I'm going to turn to John. Bear with me. I'm going to read a couple more verses. Okay. This is John yeah. 1. All right. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was nothing made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light Mm-hmm. And the light shines in the darkness, mm. and the darkness has not overcome. Mm. Okay. And that's where I, I, that's where I see it. All right. I think it's actually quoted, though. Yeah, where is it quoted? Uh, <laughs> in, in the New Testament. Like it that, is. Yeah. That particular. <laughs> Try to see if anybody would find this. This is not uh, an easy I, one. It's, uh, so this is actually fulfilled in the New Testament. Matthew 4, 16. It's what? Matthew 4, 16. Excellent. Uh, yeah. Use a little Bible app there to... Why don't you guys turn <laughs> to Matthew... 
part of, um, I mean, part of Jason why I was saying about, yeah, you're saying, well, of course there's a lot of words, a lot of things that sort of build up as we see. Oh, there but there is, but, but when you see the New Testament, I mean, if you're basically doing apologetics or something, if you're but someone's saying, well, show me. I mean, you're saying this is about Christ. Where does it say it's about Christ? Okay. That's a valid argument for someone to make because they're trying to, I mean, obviously other places you can see it. All right. So if you can find the place where God's scripture, the scripture tells you it is that, you've got scripture speaking for scripture. Does that make sense? Okay. So I want you guys to look at Isaiah chapter 4 and look at verse, let's everyone turn to Isaiah 4.12. Yeah, or Sorry. Thank you. Uh, Matthew 412. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So, Matthew 412. Everyone there. Now, when they heard that John had been arrested, he, being Jesus, withdrew into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulun and the Feth. See, I can't say it still. So that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Tali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. And then look at verse 17. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What is what's happening here with Jesus? What is this launching for Jesus? This 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 quote from Isaiah. His messianic claim. His messianic claim. What else is it doing? What what is this point in Jesus' life? What is happening here? Ministry begins. His ministry begins. Excellent. Okay. This is actually the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He's quoting here Isaiah to say and show this shows that my ministry that was prophesied all the way back in Isaiah is now beginning. In fact, he doesn't just say it. Jesus before this, where was Jesus before this? Where was he before he... Before the, before this, where is he? Where is Jesus when he says this? Let me let me ask that question first. When Jesus says, "Where is he?" Galilee. Galilee. Okay. You guys remember where Galilee is? Okay. So, okay. Here's my really good. This is why I'm not an artist, oh, yeah. but maybe after tonight I'll learn how sure, to become an artist. Not? Okay. So here is Israel. All right. And here is Jerusalem. This is the Mediterranean Sea. This is um, over here is like Syrian stuff. So this is Jerusalem. Jericho's down here. 
Okay, up here is the Sea of Galilee. Right? Down here is where the temple is in Jerusalem. Anybody know, so where Jesus, where was Jesus before this, probably? Tempted in the wilderness. He was tempted in the wilderness. Where is that wilderness? Where is the wilderness? It's the the, the desert right there. Yeah, okay. It's down in this region down here, okay, where Jesus was tempted. What does Jesus do? He's tempted by Satan, okay? And then what does he do? He travels up to Galilee. Alright? And in Galilee, Capernaum is right here. You can still go visit Capernaum right right now. And um, the Zebdom and the that whole region is a region that covers about here down to here. Alright? That is the whole region that Jesus is referring to. Who lived in that region? No? Peter. No? Who lived? I mean, people. What type of people lived up here? Israel. Hmm? Israel. Who lived up there? Jews? Of course. Okay. (laughs) Of course. Most faithful of everybody Jews live down here in the Jerusalem area. Okay? Yes, did some Jews live up here? But what was this up here mainly made of? Because, um... Samaritans. Yeah, okay. When Jesus goes through, he goes through Samaria. Right? Remember that Judah is basically right here. This is Judah. This is northern Israel that gets, you know, ultimately pushed out. Okay, and taken into captivity and everything. Up here in this region, that is where is a huge mix of people. Which is called what in scripture? Who are these people? If these are the Jews. Gentiles. The Gentiles. Okay. Uh oh. <laughs> huh? Uh oh. Yeah. Is that several hundred miles between Jerusalem no, and Jerusalem? No, not very far at all. Not very far it's at very all. Short. Oh. Okay, very short. Okay, very short. Someone, and if I remember right, don't quote me on this. In California, if you're down here in Monterey, and up here is like Napa, this region, oh. Israel, is really small. Okay. Okay. It is not very big. Does not take long to go across this whole thing. Okay. Now, there's not really roads that do that sort of straight, but it's not very big country. Very small country. All right. That's why you hear. Jesus, you know, walking up to the Sea of Galilee here might take a day or two. It doesn't take oh, that big long. Deal. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah, okay. like 25, 30 miles. But I want you to notice what Jesus does. He specifically, after he's tempted by the Satan, he goes up to this region, and then <laughs> we have this prophecy being fulfilled. All right. He actually says, I'm fulfilling what it says within Isaiah. And notice what it says in verse 15. That those lands that I just talked about, the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee, the sea of Galilee, this is right here, Galilee, is what? Of the Gentiles. Gentiles. (laughs) 
why would Jesus go up there and start his ministry up there? What's what's he trying to say? That I'm here for everyone, not just the Jews. He what? That he's there for everyone, not just the Jews. Exactly. Very, very good. Excellent. Very good. He's fulfilling what has always been in Scripture, which goes all the way back to the Abrahamic promise that it will be a blessing to the whole world through Abraham. Okay? And here you see in Isaiah, notice what it says as we were reading Isaiah here, that it starts out about all, you know, that, you know, this, this good time with me, but notice that it says, the land beyond Jordan, Galilee of the nations. Mm-hmm. And nations here is that, in essence, it refers to <laughs> these peoples, the distant lands. It refers to everybody but Jews. Alright? you got the Gentiles and you got the Jews. The nations always means the Gentiles. Okay? Because if you're going to speak of a nation, you're going to speak of Israel. Alright? So you see how Jesus actually begins his ministry at the beginning of Isaiah 9 here. Also then, going back to what you're saying, Jason, then you can look and go, oh, so what's Jesus saying? He's going back and Matthew's saying about Jesus? Whoa, he's fulfilling chapter 9 here. He's fulfilling what's going to start happening, which is reversible we just saw in chapter 9. Does that make sense? We sort of see how it's like, whoo. <laughs> Jesus is very intentional and how he goes about saying, I'm actually not going to say it, I'm going to actually go there. And I'm fulfilling what Isaiah prophesized, you know, hundreds of years, hundreds and hundreds of years before Christ. And there are the Samaritans up there too? Yes, so the Samaritans are right here. So the Samaria is right here. Okay. And there is a road, this is a, this is, um, so you have Sea of Galilee. I'm not doing a very good job here. Sea of Galilee, Jordan River that goes down. So I really should do like this. Let's put Jerusalem here. This comes down into the what? Sea. Dead Sea. The Dead Sea. Excellent. All right. So you got the Dead Sea here. you got Jerusalem over here. Um, and so Samaria is right here. And so when Jesus is coming down his last week, he tells the Good Samaritan parable as he's going through Samaria. <laughs> he's coming back to go back down to Jerusalem where he's going to have his last week of life. I heard something really interesting about that Samaritan thing. Jesus was a Samaritan because his father was a Jewish. Oh. But his mother was. Right, because of the yeah, the so that may have right. Samaritans. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah. Well, I mean, I think I feel, and I don't know if this is what you're getting at, Jason, but Jesus going up there to fulfill it feels less prophetic mm-hmm. to me. It feels more like anybody could have done that, mm-hmm. right? Like you're going to go to Galilee, and you're like, okay, I guess we're going to Galilee. I mean, as opposed to being born in Bethlehem or something. To go there to fulfill it doesn't feel so much prophetic as much as it feels like <laughs> following directives or something like uh-huh. that. Yeah, when, well, when he got baptized, he said, he said, uh, you know, this this needs to happen to fulfill all righteousness, mm-hmm. right? And I do the things that my father 
tells me to do. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. like, yeah, I mean, in 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 a certain sense, Jesus does have a checklist right. that he's going through. But right. you know, that still doesn't. That it still doesn't I do everything my my father father tells, tells me, me to do. Right. Right. But that doesn't necessarily that doesn't really decrease the probability that he is the Messiah because each each there's a ton of the messianic prophecies and to to even be able to fulfill a lot of them sure. is like extremely low probability yeah, and then six hundred and twenty. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> so I, well I'm not trying to counter that. I'm just saying this to me doesn't one of the ones that are like, wow. <laughs> right? I mean so, in, in, in terms of it being an argument to is this in fact prophecy or not, right? Being able to go, well that was the only, what I was trying to say. In terms of explaining to some of the others, like, going, no, I don't, I'm not buying it, dude. You just, because then the argument would be, well, he just read that and then decided to go do that, right? As opposed to, like, it just being happening. Like, the whole, you know, the, the crucifix, you know, happen, all these, you know, all, et cetera, et cetera. And the fact that, no. This, this is also prophetic of what what is to come with revelations, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, right. So all these things that you can't necessarily specifically identify as Jesus did exactly that verbatim kind of thing. Now, something on this note that is interesting is that that uh, I just think is one of the coolest things in, in this Isaiah. And now, and a question for you on that map. When he went in the desert, the 40 days, mm-hmm. right, was that, to me, that is also fulfilling what was said here in terms of, um, in, where are we, 7. Isaiah um, 7, or? Yes. Where was it? Golly. Where he's going to, um, yes, all right, all right. He, he curds, so... The virgin will be with child. Oh, now this is the teenage Bible, so bear with me. Um, the virgin will be, with, will be with the child. Will be with child, and will give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel. He will eat curds and honey uh-huh. yes. when yeah. he knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right. Okay, so to me. That speaks of that forty days in the desert. Yeah, but he was fasting those forty days. Yes, he was fasting. That means he wasn't, wasn't eating. No, no, no. It says when he learns to. The end of that forty days is when he has demonstrated that he knows the difference. Not during. You with me? <laughs> so the point of this. This is prophetic, okay? They're, they're talking about this is this is God in human form. He has to demonstrate that he knows how to reject evil and choose good. That's good, right? That's and to me, that's like for all of us is like, whoa, that's that's like, okay, oh, it's too hard for me to do it. Wrong. Who do you think got tempted harder? Me or Jesus? Right, so he had to do it, and to me, that in terms of something like okay, boom. I mean, this stands out to me like crazy. Yeah. Right. In terms of like him having to choose that, and that forty days and forty nights, you go okay. Well, so what was the point of all that? 
just to, for him to get clear in his head? No, there was a purpose. That was on that checklist, right? And I think, so one of the things, if we go back to sort of what your comment said, I think it's in Matthew, I'm trying to remember which gospel, might be more than one, but it might be Matthew, there's frequently where it says, and this was done to fulfill what was written. So, you have Jesus, as much as, you know, you, like, Jesus very specifically did what he did to show that he was the Messiah fulfilling his prophecies. Certainly. And it wasn't just, I'm going to go travel up to Galilee right now. It was also healings and throwing out demons and all these things that he was doing to ultimately show I'm the fulfillment of everything's happening back in the Old Testament. Um, and the, and the, by the way, on that, also the eating component, you eat curds and honey, right? There's so much of the eating reference. I still... It's interesting. You said he, but he was fasting. Then he will eat. But what is he eating? Right? After that. What is the curds and honey representative of? I think that's fascinating too. And it is suddenly now he is able to... He has stepped into who he was meant to be. Right? Now he's and living. The angels can feed Yeah. Now he's... he's He's being fed the Spirit and is able to feed the others, and that's the real feast, right? All right. Okay. So, anyway, so did you guys get all that? We just, I mean, I sort of wanted to just in the beginning of chapter 9 there just sort of show you that you've got Jesus ultimately is pointing to the fact that he is fulfilling what we're seeing within chapter 9. Okay. Um, so just walking through chapter 9 we just did the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light um, those who dwell in the land of deep darkness on them the light has shone you have multiplied the nation you have increased his joy um, they have rejoiced before you as with joy at the harvest as they are glad when they divide the spoil um, so you just see this going on and on and then you have these three fours okay it's almost like a song it's almost like you're repeating for this, for this, for this. So the very first four is what's what Jesus is going to do. What's the fulfillment ultimately here? And this is what the oppressive yoke. Yeah, the oppressive yoke. Exactly. Okay. But his actually and his burden is like yeah. That's what I talked about on Sunday. Okay. I mean, you see, for the yoke of this burden, and the yoke here. What's interesting is Assyria. Actually, you go back to ancient documents of Assyria. Assyria bragged about they, they literally, it says in the I was reading the Assyrian text not that I'm reading it directly but there's an Assyrian text that actually talks about how they they were known for putting a huge yoke and oppression on people that's what they were known for we're going to make people's life miserable alright that's what we're going to do when we take over the na- these nations and these people we're going to bring this yoke on them that's going to be so oppressive and so burdensome. All right, and here's Jesus. Here's the prophets coming along and saying, "For the yoke of his burden, the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian." Okay. So here you see Jesus. What is the day of Midian? I was just going to ask that. What is the day of Midian? Refers to the events of Judges six and seven. Excellent. <laughs> Which revolves around the story of Gideon. Gideon. Excellent. 
Yeah. Footnotes are awesome. <laughs> 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 Anybody remember what happened with Gideon without reading it? Yeah. What happened? Um, there was uh, they they were going to run an operative against enemy soldiers, but there was too many people, so they kept whittling it down. You know, those uh -huh. who kneel and scoop with their hand. You know, versus those who lap it up. And, anyways, they get down to 300. And with those 300, they God tells them something to do, like get, can get candles and glass and break it. Uh huh. And then the enemy's gonna turn on itself and kill itself. Yeah. Kill. They're gonna wipe. They're gonna wipe themselves out. And they did. So, yeah. So you see what's happening here? Very good. Thank you. So mm -hmm. this is a little bit going back to the the question: How does prophecy work? I want you to notice what's happening here because what you've got is you've got Isaiah. All right, so let's just call this the time of Isaiah right now. So Isaiah is talking about, right now, Isaiah is talking about a time with, let's say, let's say this is Jesus. And here's Isaiah. And what's Isaiah doing in his prophecy that's going to happen over here? He's referring back mm -hmm. to what God did over here. All right. All right. And so what you see within prophecy in scripture is it's like, I've used this illustration before, it's like dropping a, um, a rock into a pond and you see these like, you know, the waves go out like this. That's how scripture, that's how prophecy works. Is this so, and we see this today, so like this would be Jesus in the New Testament and then we have Revelation that Steve was talking about. So we can read all this and we go, but not everything here is fulfilled. And so what you end up having is you end up having this sort of fulfillment yeah. of Scripture that happens. And so when Isaiah's here, he's going back and saying, what's going, what I'm prophesizing that's going to happen here, I'm going to take you back to the, the certainty of what God has done here. And because God's done that here, you can count on the fact that it's going to be done here and it's going to be done here. Brilliant. This is what's different about our hope as Christians. This is why we have a hope. We call it a hope that is certain. All right? Because when God speaks here, it happens. All right? And because we know when Isaiah spoke here, it happened within Jesus. All right? And when Isaiah spoke here, God had done something back here that was already fulfilled. What you end up doing is you say, when God says this will happen out here, our hope is not just, oh, I just hope it's going to happen. Remind me the time frame between Isaiah and Jesus. 700 BC to so 700 years. 700 years. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know how long I have to wait. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. Right. 700 years. <laughs> I, I just thought. Yeah. Uh huh. Is yeah. <laughs> when you read this, as you did in the day of Midian, yes. could this be one of those spots where the Jews don't fully understand, well, well, if you're fulfilling this prophecy and you're, you killed the Midianites, why aren't you killing the yeah. Romans? Well, why so are the Romans? Why in Isaiah's time, why aren't you telling us Syria? All right. You remember this right here? Put your hope only in the Lord. All right? That's what Isaiah is trying to tell in his prophecy, and that's what God happens. Look, 
God has already fulfilled this idea that there can be this huge enemy. Happens in Second Chronicles too. Huge enemy. There's no chance. Like in the time of Gideon, God's going to do this over and over and over again. That's why also we put Lord of Armies. We put our faith in Him. We go look at the world today. How in the world ever is God going to ever make take this mess and do something like that? All right. So, so but the difference what is, in the day of Midian, they did what God said. That's right. True. And they yeah. That's the right. Lord. True. But was yeah. Why don't you yeah. kill those guys? Because you didn't listen. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, you said yeah. you guys just right. So that's why that's what's so powerful about prophetic biblical prophecy. <laughs> okay, I'm going to you know different than other people are going to say, well, I'm prophesizing this or that, whether they're Christian or whether they're not. You know, I have some ability to prophesy what's going to happen in the future. The difference is, is we actually, through Scripture, have the hope of a God who says, when He says, I'm going to do something, we have the evidence that He has always done it, given us the certainty that one day Jesus will be. You can count on it. You can count on it. That's what's weird. We have a it doesn't make sense to people. How can hope be certain? Because hope is something in the future. But if our hope is, is what God has promised in Scripture, it is certain because God has spoken it. When God speaks a word of prophecy in Scripture, it is certain always that it will happen. We've seen that with what's happened in the Old Testament, what's happened in Isaiah. We see that certainty of God's word. Giving us the hope to know what today we read in all this, we have the hope of ultimately what we are reading here, that this hope will finally be fulfilled. We can be certain in that hope. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's what's neat about biblical prophecy is you see these different layers like this, and it actually just continues to confirm. You see Scripture confirming Scripture. God's Word confirms God's Word, giving us the hope to say, yeah, God really is a Lord of armies, and I really don't have to be <laughs> with it. This yeah. is why faith is not blind. Exactly. Right. Somebody says exactly. you have blind faith. This is this is why it's not. Excellent. Yeah. Nor are we given faith for faith's sake. We we have a ton of evidence. That's right. And that's that's again why our faith is so different than the Muslim faith or any other faith in the world because we have it's not blind. It's not blind. It's based, it's based on historical events of God working in history. God has done these things. Because of that, we have the hope that he will do this. And we are certain he will because he's already been doing it. Yeah. yeah. Like, I'll go back to that verse in Chronicles. Uh, oh, I wish 2020. Yeah, oh my gosh. My favorite right. story of all. 2020 right. is perfect vision. Right? Yeah, you can, why don't we end with that? You can say that and we'll end with that. Yeah. And they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Believe in his prophets, and you will succeed. Amen. It's like, it's like it's, it's, he tells us. And yeah, and Second Chron- right? And Second Chronicles is a story right. where the people are like with Gideon again, like back here. Yeah. The people are said. The prophet said, "Put th- this is what the prophet said." What he just read, and the prophet said, "You don't have to worry about this 
vast army that's going to come against you because you let, I am the Lord of armies. You're not going to fight this war. You're just going to go out and praise my name. And they go out and they're at this cliff and they're looking down this enemy that's coming up at them this massive. There's not a chance that they have. And they all start singing. What does it say there? What did they start singing? Go down there at the Thanks to the Lord. Give thanks for to the Lord. Steadfast love endures forever. Amen. They start praising God with that. Right. Okay. And what ends up happening? It's like what happened with Gideon. What ends up happening is God makes us so the enemies fight against the enemies and they kill each other. And all the God's people is just sitting up there going, I'm praising God. Steadfast love. And I think that, that, that speaks for the time we are in right now. Yes, it does. Don't be, don't be afraid of everything that's coming against us. Right. Believe in God. Believe His prophets. You shall be established. Yeah. And oh. succeed. Yeah. Right. And like what like Jeff had said earlier, remember that you're the elephant for God. Is that prophecy? This totally prophecy. <laughs> that was one of those ones yeah. where it wasn't like verbatim. <laughs> yeah, I love him verbatim. <laughs> All right. Anyway, hope this was. Oh, you got some you know, idea there of prophecy as we were looking at that? Yeah. That's great. Right. Who would like to close us in prayer? Decisions by what? Jeff. No, Jason, no. <laughs> you raise your hand. I raise my hand to vote. <laughs> Go, Jason. Go, Jason. I called you on the email, so now you got to... <laughs> Dear Lord, thank you for being with us here tonight. Thank you for blessing our teachers. Thank you for blessing all these men here and our families and the world around us that you have put us in. We pray that you shine your light within us. You grow our hearts to understand, our eyes to see, and our ears to hear, Lord. Use us. We are willing and obedient. We love you so much. Amen. Awesome. Alright, before we leave, let's all say this together. Let's get okay. things across the with, okay? You, say, you, you are to regard, regard only the Lord of our armies as holy. Only he should be feared. Only he should be held in awe. He will be a sanctuary. That is our promise, everyone. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Thank you. Of course, it's high. We just got a little dry, don't you? <laughs> oh no, they didn't. No, John.